Welcome along to Fox Force 5, episode 3. We are here, we are ready to go, we are ready for action. Hello, Nicola Murphy. <laughs> Hello, Kelly Crichton. How are we? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you. We've been kind of restricting our chat with each other because we want to <laughs> save all that good energy for when we get on the podcast. So yeah, we talk uh, to ourselves once, once a week now, we talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's like no cultural or pod chat it's like how are you i'm fine what do you have for dinner <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah our actual phone conversations have gotten very boring all together but uh we sure look aren't we here and we're going to entertain everyone for 40 yes. minutes or 50 minutes yes i think so um a great week for women wasn't it oh yeah absolutely you'll be very proud of them on here and this week all right <laughs> yeah savage big obvious one was uh rachel blackmore winning the grand national yeah, absolutely. God help her, the, the the pressure. But she was so on form, wasn't she, going into it. Like, it was fantastic to see that she was given that opportunity and a great horse to ride as well, obviously. And she brought her home. Yeah, and I saw actually afterwards someone was interviewing her, you know, they shoved the mic up on like their last oh, yeah. stitcher mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, I don't feel like a woman or a man. I, You know, she was just kind of saying she just felt yeah. unreal or I, like a human, I think she said. Yeah. So. She said, I don't feel like a woman or a man. I don't even feel human. It's actually quite a good yeah. quote. But I heard her interviewed a few weeks ago after Cheltenham and she she kind of shirks off that question about being a woman jockey or being a woman in horse racing. You know, she doesn't like it, which is kind of interesting, I think, because she just wants to be known as a jockey. She doesn't want to be compared to the men. But I suppose just where we are in history, it's inevitable. Mm. But uh, fair play to her. Like she's great guns. First uh, female winner of the Grand National. So uh, I have I have mixed feelings about horse racing. So I'm... Um, <laughs> as in like each to their own you know but yeah, um she's a great advocate for the sport and you love to see women getting on in their um respective industries particularly ones that have been dominated by men so well done rachel blackmore yeah absolutely and the uh, irish rugby team also the women six nations kicked off oh, and we wales in the first round and absolutely smashed them so that was brilliant they smashed them <laughs> they smashed yeah. them oh my god how long is this going to last for i heard someone talking about it the other day because they were saying the english female team and the french team are professionals but nobody yeah, else is, is that tough. right it's really tough actually i saw a tweet as well that one of the welsh players had put out about being like uh, a rugby player like well semi-professional i suppose i don't know what way would they call it but you know when her day-to-day life is drop the kids at school try to make her way over for training train come back like it's her schedule was unbelievable you know in terms of mm. what she's trying to do so it's very tough you know if you're not mm-hmm. getting paid to do it you still have your life that you need to maintain yeah. and Probably your kids. A job yeah absolutely yeah, and so, all the rest of it you know it's kind of hard for them to be compared and stuff like that but there is a bit of kind of it's been up in the air. I don't know if it's been resolved yet, but because France is on the quarantine list about them coming to Dublin for the match. Oh, yes. So okay. it's a bit in doubt, but the Irish girls are kind of just saying, look, we're ready to go depending on what happens. But mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't really foresee these problems, I think, when that came in. But hopefully it can go ahead and it'll be a good match. But brilliant start. Well done. Delighted oh, for savage. them. Love a bit savage. of rugby. Whoever's playing it. Yeah. Brilliant. So they're serious they're serious women like they're serious athletes like so fair play that's brilliant and the other great news was there was a new lady provost uh, appointed at trinity so she's the first female provost in the 429 year history 
Her name is Linda Doyle, Professor Linda Doyle, and she is a professor of engineering and the arts, which I thought was kind of interesting in itself, Mm. and former dean of research. And there was three candidates for this 10-year position. And uh, lo and behold, Linda got it. And it was quite funny because she was uh, photographed in front of a statue of a guy called, a guy who was a provost, Provost Salmon. Um, and he was a provost in 1904 when he said, over my dead body will women enter this college. <laughs> well, Provost Salmon, <laughs> you'll be eating your words and rolling in your grave by. Um, so fair play to her. Yeah, great Amazing. guns there. Yeah. So that was that was positive on all those fronts for women this week. And um, yeah, hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Things are rolling. We're rolling. But um, yeah, so we get, I guess we get things kicked off and we'll, uh, first up this week, we have news and current affairs kind of stuff. One. Okay, so this week there was a bit of sad news when we heard that former Big Brother contestant Nikki Graham passed away. Unfortunately, mm. she'd been suffering from anorexia for a very, very long time and she'd been yeah. in and out of facilities for years. I found this quite shocking. I loved Nikki. She was a great, great contestant back in the glory days of um, Big Brother. But before... Uh, I even heard about Nikki this week. I was stopped in my tracks by a tweet I saw uh, from a woman called Ali Corrigan in Cork. And basically what she was doing was sharing an account of a person who is living with an eating disorder. Mm. And this was sort of like four PDFs kind of uh, put on the tweet as um, pictures. And to read through this girl's day is just a kind of a rundown of what happens here on the round of a day. It was absolutely heartbreaking and shocking. And Ali is sharing that story because this particular woman um, is in a very unfortunate situation where she cannot get inpatient treatment. The HSE will not refer her for inpatient treatment and she just feels like she is in real serious trouble. Her life is in danger and you know, something has to be done about it. So Ali has been putting Mm. the information out there anonymously. The girl hasn't, the person hasn't been identified, the woman involved. And um, yeah, it's it's just quite shocking. So I'm going to read a little bit of it. It might not be for everybody. So you might want to skip on a couple of minutes if you don't want to listen to some upsetting um, information about eating disorders. So um, she starts, I wake up to my alarm at 7am, exhausted from the carnage the night before. I feel sore, weak, bloated and disorientated. Looking around my bedroom, a wave of shame and disgust washes over me as I see pizza boxes, bowls, plates, cutlery, Tesco bags, stuffed to the brim with food wrappings and worst of all, bags of vomit. All of this just from the night before. I swear to myself over and over that I'm not going to eat anything today or ever again, not one calorie. I try to clean up as quickly as I can, sneaking downstairs with all the dishes, hoping not to bump into any of my housemates. I can't let them see how much I'm carrying to the kitchen. I try to focus on work as best I can, but I'm so tired and totally preoccupied with food, it's hard to concentrate. By 11, 11.30, I've ordered my first takeaway of the day. While the order is being prepared, I gather the bags of vomit and as much other rubbish as I can carry, sneak back downstairs and out the door. I walk around my vicinity, stopping at every public bin I can find to dispose of as much of the rubbish as I can. Then I go to the nearest shop and I buy a big bag of food. Food from the hot counter, cereal, crisps, sweets, too much chocolate to fathom, fizzy drinks to help vomit everything up. And then it goes on. She basically gets home, eats the takeaway, eats all the food. 
and her stomach is distended at this stage she puts her fingers back her throat and she punches herself in the abdomen <gasps> until she can get nothing else up and this oh cycle continues God. throughout the day she's two or three takeaways she takes laxatives she manages to work in between and at calm times you know like when she's had laxatives and she knows that they'll get to work soon and you know she's a high achieving professional you know people don't know that the, what this mm. woman is suffering She's lost two teeth and cracked another one oh recently as a result God. of the damage from the stomach acid. Jesus. She rotates between bulimia and anorexia. But due to the lockdown, she can't get to the gym. So she is in a, a, a kind of a phase at the moment of bulimia. She spends all her money on food and she's even stolen food in the past. And then she goes on to say, the most accurate way to describe the compulsion to binge eat is as strong as the need to breathe. You have to breathe or you'll die. In my case, it feels like I'll die if I can't get my hands on more food. I'll die if I can't vomit everything up. I'll die if I gain weight. And I know I will die if I keep doing what I'm doing. So this woman has said the oh. HSC no longer refer for inpatient treatment and that they've referred her for outpatient cognitive behaviour therapy, which she's on a waiting list for. But it's likely it'll be months, if not years, before she gets an appointment for that. And she tried to take her own life in the most recent lockdown. The Echo and the Examiner picked up the story this week. And the Examiner quoted that in 2018, of the 1.5 million allocated to tackle eating disorders, only 137,000 euros was spent. In 2019, although 1.6 million was allocated to eating disorders, nothing was spent. Funding for eating disorder support and treatment was also entirely suspended last year and then they approached the HSE for a comment and what they said was that anyone with concerns about eating disorders should speak to their GP and that adults can access treatment from one of the 112 local community mental health teams nationwide with appointments offered within 12 weeks now you can go on to Ali Corrigan's Twitter account she kind of responds to that where she says you know you're not doing enough these these centres that were supposed to be set up haven't been set up and it's just it's quite shocking that this you know like the way I looked at it was if you were bleeding out and you were going to die you'd get treated you'd get treated like as an emergency but this girl she's she's virtually dying you know and she's not getting treated she should be taken into a hospital and looked after until she's well it's insane it's so wrong and to say that the money's there and they just can't get their ex together Mm, oh my god you know sometimes like you hear the news and you're like oh we're moving forward mental health and things like that and then you hear a story like that and it's just horrendous yeah it is horrendous because you know two weeks ago we were talking about oh it's great they've got a new mental health unit for mothers and baby you know and then Mm -hmm. on the other hand this is going on it's like geez oh you know but um yeah it's a tough topic to to start with and I know people are probably like oh god that's very heavy but like this is something people need to talk about I think it's been one of those problems that has always been there but it gets like swept under the rug a lot you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like because you know it's maybe something we don't notice as much but like that poor girl my god what, what a good friend though that she's kind of taking this yeah, on to and fair play, be an advocate play for her, her you know mm-hmm. yeah oh um so what Ali has asked is that I got in touch with her just to say you know what can we do to help help the situation mm. and she said that they have created a google doc um that you can use to send to your local TD just to draw their attention to it now I know Breed Smith is taking it up with Stephen Donnelly 
but you can contact your local TD and you can use this form. You can kind of edit it and just add your own name to it and email it off to your local TD. There's a link there to find out your local TD as well if you're not sure who it is. So we'll put that up on social media. But for anybody who's listening who also might have a family member who's affected by this issue or they themselves are affected by it, they can get in touch with BodyWise, which is the Eating Disorders Association of Ireland. And they're on bodywise.ie. That's B-O-D-Y w-h-y-s dot i-e body wise um but yeah i think just with nikki graham dying this week as well dying from anorexia you know so sad she's this kills this disease kills kills people you know it's not it's not a fantasy you know this is such a real case in point you know and it's really something we should be talking about more and yes i know it's not the nicest thing to be talking about at the top of the podcast but listen you know we all have a responsibility to make sure people in our community are looked after and people are dying from this issue so there you go look we we will hopefully revisit this in a couple of weeks or months and we can share some good news uh when you know maybe they're getting getting down to spending that money and introducing more services fingers crossed so yeah so yeah it was it was kind of shocking to see the parole nikki um succumbed to her demons and her disease this week too. Yeah, yeah she, she was she was a great character. She was just one of a kind, really. Do you remember when she was on Big Brother? Yeah, her and Peach. Her and Pete was yeah. a great um, Big Brother contestant as well. Oh, God. They just, you know, at least she gave people so much joy because she was like one of the ultimate Big Brother contestants. And didn't she go in, I think, with Brian Dowling as well, into the ultimate Big Brother contestants thing. And yeah. I think she she came first or second with him. I think he won and she might have come second. So they yeah. were good old buddies as well. I saw he was, um, he had a post on Instagram about it, but it's so tough. Like, I mean... Aww poor girl and I think Pete as well had like released some video kind of talking about her and how she's now Mm. at peace and how they thought that they could save her it's just so sad that poor girl she's like 38 you know very young whole life ahead of her so sad apparently her mom was on ITV last week um, saying that she had been sort of triggered by the closure of gyms you know and that because she couldn't exercise she didn't want to eat you know that she was kind Mm. of stable when she could exercise oh Jesus it's just Terrible, but yeah, she was gas. She was a great. She was so honest. Like she just kind of told it as yeah. it was, didn't she? Always. And um, who is she? Who, who is she? <laughs> that was the name of the Who is she? Yeah, that was her thing, wasn't it? Yeah, she was a hoot. She was a hoot. So yeah. too young, thirty-eight. Like terrible, terribly sad. So anyway, listen. If you've been moved by what we've been talking about um, here today, as I said, have a look at that Google Doc link and drop an own email to your TD there and show that. Um, there's community support out there for people like the woman whose story has been shared by Ali in Cork. Okay, mm. up next, number two. Two. So this week, I'm actually going to talk about a couple of things because I've uh, <laughs> enjoyed quite a few bits this week um, in terms of entertainment. Obviously, the weather took a bit of a turn, so I was indoors much more <laughs> being lazy. Mm. So... At the weekend, actually on Saturday night, uh, we have Amazon Prime. I signed up for a free month of it. So uh, we actually watched the Mauritanian. Oh, uh, nice. Do you know if you've heard about it? Have you heard anything about it? I know very little about it, to be honest with you. I know it's mm. about someone who got stuck in Guantanamo for a long time. 
Exactly. That's a pretty good synopsis of it. So it's actually based on a memoir that uh, this prisoner who was in Guantanamo wrote. So um, Hamadou Old Slahi. So he wrote a book all about his experience, the Guantanamo Diary. It's been obviously transitioned to many different languages and it was a kind of a number one bestseller. So this is the story. So the guy who's actually made it, the director is uh, Kevin MacDonald. So he's a, a, a lovely Scottish man. He also made The Last King of Scotland. So that was, and loads of other stuff to be honest but the last king mm-hmm. of scotland was probably the big one that i recognized and i love that movie mm, um, very good so in it we have jodie foster she's obviously uh you know same as usual absolutely smashing anything with jodie yeah anything with jodie whittaker or jodie foster I, I was thinking of forest whittaker because if you said about the last king of scotland jodie whittaker jodie foster you just know it's going to be heavyweight don't you yeah yeah exactly it's gonna be and good. benedict cumberbatch who i obviously i like watching him everything as well love and then the main guy is played by tahar rahim um so i actually haven't seen the series but he is in the serpent you were telling me to watch oh it. yes I watched so it good do you know what we're going yeah. to talk about it in a couple of weeks because it was on bbc but it's coming to netflix so i know so let's talk about it again <laughs> yeah okay Go on, sorry but he was uh no he was brilliant in it really like he kind of carried it, I must say. Now I enjoyed it, but it's kind of inflated by some people. Uh, didn't get it actually nominated for any Academy Awards. Mm. Now I kind of get it because, like, the US doesn't look great. Like politically, quite mm. badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, this poor guy is innocent, and he still spends fourteen years in Guantanamo mm. mm-hmm. and goes through quite a lot of um, torture, and oh, you know, it, it's quite harrowing some of it. But it's very. Mm good watch um i really enjoyed it it was like again i know sure there's so many films we enjoy and the critics kind of pan now they didn't pan it i think it's kind of a mixed reviews um about 75 percent on rotten tomatoes but i enjoyed it it was nominated for um lots of baftas at the weekend actually didn't win mm. any of them but it is a british film so it was nominated for kind mm. of outstanding british movie and things like that but i still enjoyed it it's definitely worth the watch um judy foster is very good in it benedict cumberbatch plays a kind of a a guy who's he's a military prosecutor and he's kind of torn and once he discovers that there's maybe some evidence that actually isn't evidence and perhaps is Mm. fabricated so i won't go into too many details Mm. because again every week i'm conscious of not spoiling it free but it was very good i really enjoyed it uh hard watch at some point i was going to say don't answer these questions but it's like i want to know is he still alive i want to know if he got out of prison i want to know you know (laughs) but he wrote a book so (laughs) you're going to give away all these things if i give away the whole film if i I get answered that so listen I'll watch it myself yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah, do, maybe do. I think we've got Prime at the moment as well we're always getting these trials free with things aren't you so um, yeah I think if you're an Air customer you have it for free although we don't oh. because I just can't get in touch with Air to get it but, nobody can get in um, touch with Air their customer no. service is terrible um, no. so the BAFTAs yeah were god the BAFTAs were hilarious not hilarious but talk about it like 360 in terms of they had so many people of color and people from ethnic mm. minorities or from different backgrounds compared to in previous years it was like serious yeah um renewal re- revolution change whatever you want to call it thank god you know because we're mm. sick of seeing stuffy white people winning everything you know so um 
it was great and I still think I still think the Oscars are a little bit behind that you know like mm. this is a very kind of a controversial movie like they had they could have like nominated this for things because it was kind of calling out the US government for you know some mishandlings of those prisoners mm. and they didn't they kind of missed a trick with it I think now it might be just because it wasn't as good a movie or whatever but I'm pretty mm. sure like Borat the second Borat has been nominated for some awards so yeah, it has been. you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> weirdly yeah there's a few films um, all right up yeah. for Oscars that I was a bit like okay it was a good film but I don't know if it deserves an Oscar you know but yeah yeah so cool the Mauritanian we will check it out Amazon Prime anyway at the moment yeah Amazon nice. Prime yeah it's it's uh I think it was only like two weeks ago they edited it, so it should be up there for a while and then the next thing actually um that I really enjoyed at the weekend so I actually started clearing out my cupboards at the weekend changing oh, you. my you know winter to spring wardrobe spring that, like, cleaning detested yeah. Maria Kondo Maria Maria Kondoing it or whatever she's called oh sure <laughs> you know now well you're not you're not too much actually but um I'm kind what? of a hoarder I'm not domesticated <laughs> no you're not a hoarder I was trying to say <laughs> But uh, I'm I not a what? Gotta... Yeah, I know. Uh, I have a few few bags of stuff to give away. Although you can't really give it away to anyone at the moment because yeah. nothing is open. So you're just looking at the. Oh, black they've got those big metal here. bin things in car parks, don't they? Those charities. Yeah, but they, um... there's lots of questions over them not going to charities and stuff. So I. Oh God, the ones those. I use have the names of the charities on them, and they're reputable charities. Yeah, we we. I think that that could be a topic for another week because it's definitely something Ooh, controversial about those bit charities. Of an investigative journalist. <laughs> job on that one so right okay go on sorry anyway back to the clearing out no but I was listening strangely now because I haven't listened to the man in years I had Dave Fanning on in the background oh I love Dave Fanning talking to John O'Regan the guy who creates and produces Reeling in the Years so it was so interesting just to hear like the background obviously Mm. this new series that started on Sunday night which I'll Mm -hmm. go into in a minute but he was just talking about the background of it the way they do it you know little things you wouldn't even notice like there's no ad break they don't have any Mm. ad break there's obviously Mm. no presenter so -hmm. they have certain like written slides written kind of scenes to kind of help Mm -hmm. you understand the context of things just talking about like copyright and how come that that's one of the reasons that it's not on the RT player like for Mm. older episodes is because the copyright is so expensive it was super interesting for the music and stuff because music's good on it it's always of the time yeah yeah and he was talking about like you know it's not all like they do try to do it if it's music that's released within that year but you know sometimes there may be a remix of something that they'll have involved or there might be like a a song from a film that was out that year or something it was on Sunday night half eight and it was 2010 and oh my god I cried twice Oh my god! It was, really? You know that was the year I would I graduated that year, and it was this first year of the real like recession, you know, and mm. oh, just the way it was edited, the music. Oh my god, the emotions were just unbelievable. They mm. had a scene again. I don't want to go into it too much if people haven't seen it, but there was one scene about you know the apology that was given by the British government about Bloody Sunday, and they had Biffy Clyro on in the background of it. You know when we collide that song. Mm. Oh. God, it was just amazing. God, I'm getting it's goose so pimples awesome. just thinking about it here. Yeah, this is terrible. it was just unbelievable. And just, you know, they had Adele uh, rolling in the deep for when the IMF mm. came to Ireland to take over and stuff, take oh, over the banks. Yeah. It was just brilliant. Oh, like, I mean, obviously everyone gets a bit of PTSD now looking at all this stuff. I know. <laughs> Do you know what? I was... But- so I was on Twitter later Sunday night for a reason I'll tell you in a minute. Well, I'm always on Twitter, but I mean, I was really on Twitter mm. <laughs> later on Sunday night for another reason. And all the really in the year stuff was literally like that. It was people going, I had blocked that year out of my life. Yeah. Now I can't stop mm. crying or whatever. You know, I think a lot of people were like, that was tough times. Definitely your generation and um, mm. the people that were graduating around that time. 
very tough very I mean 2010 for me was all about saving to go traveling you know yeah. so I, I had a kind of a quiet year but I was happy out living the life over in Edinburgh I don't think mm. um we had jumped ship a few years beforehand you know so um yeah so I've got it recorded I'm gonna Oh, it's brilliant. Honestly, I'm so glad it's back just because Sunday nights can be kind of depressing sometimes, you know, you're kind of worried about Monday or whatever. And it really was a great distraction and it was just, oh, just brilliant. (laughs) Such good. Hopefully it'll start to cheer up a bit. Um, I look forward to Sunday night because Line of Duty is on at the moment. Oh, yay. I know you don't watch it, but oh my effing Gee, it was unbelievable <laughs> on Sunday night. Anyone who's listening who listens to Line of Duty be like, yes, Queen. Oh, my God. It was, it was the, I think it's the fourth episode of the current series. And, you know, we were kind of getting along through it, you know, the last, mm. the first few episodes. It was kind of like the usual ding dong. For anyone who doesn't watch Line of Duty, it's about um, internal affairs, essentially. AC-12, they investigate bent coppers. And, I've um, seen loads on Gagabax. Gagabax are like ruining the whole series yeah. for me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, will I yeah, even bother yeah, watching yeah, it? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Do you know what, right? Actually, the first couple of series I really enjoyed. And then the last couple have only been all right. But, oh, that episode Sunday night was outstanding. There was like this, there was a big shoot em up and a, oh my, a crash. And there was like, oh, oh people implicated and people killed. And we were, there's a big revelation at the end, total cliffhanger where somebody turns a page and everybody's like pausing their video trying to see what was on the page you know <laughs> the whole country like it was just brilliant and everyone's like oh my god what's after happening ah <laughs> it was just class it was brilliant it was great it was just massive cliffhanger and a really action-packed episode kind of needed it it was kind of dragging mm. its heels a bit so dying to see you next week now but it was really funny because there were so many memes and everything afterwards it was mad and on twitter i was really enjoying the bands but it just reminds you that at, if you're consuming it the way we are, you have to wait a whole week to watch it. Yeah, you know, it's like, like the old old days, old days yeah. of yeah. television. You know, you have to wait a whole week. And actually, I find myself on Sunday looking forward to it. Yeah. It's so weird. It's great. I like it. it. It teaches us patience and, I don't know, anticipation or something. So that was cool. Mm, loads of good TV. Thank God. Loads of good TV. <laughs> we have nothing else on. Up next, number three. Free. So this week, our Fox of the Week is Vivian Westwood, punk, fashion designer, activist, disruptor, legend, and now octogenarian. She turned 80 this week and we're going to talk about just a fraction of the amazing things she's done in her life. I absolutely love this woman. She's Mm. a complete individual. You know, there's nobody like her. Um, I didn't know loads about her kind of history bar sort of what happened from the kind of punk era on, but she grew up in Derbyshire. And she uh, did a jewellery course, which she was like, I'm never going to make enough money to survive on this. So she she dropped out of that and she went oh. became a primary school teacher. And she actually got married and had a baby quite young. And then she kind of decided that this wasn't the life for her at all, that she wanted kind of to live in a kind of a more interesting and intellectual circles. So she left her husband and shortly after that, she met Malcolm McLaren, who she would go on to form... Um, various kind of partnerships with based on fashion and Malcolm McLaren founded the Sex Pistols. So they moved in together uh, and they started designing clothes together and they became kind of like this couple to be seen around the place. They wore cool clothes and they were just kind of counterculture, you know. They started hanging out with all these people who were art students and artists and musicians and essentially they started dressing 
people in this kind of punk fashion. You know, things like knitted jumpers that were see-through, slash t-shirts, rubberized materials. They put seams on the outside of the clothes. They used safety pins. And all of that was kind of to reflect the music and the ethos of punk, which was to show imperfection and that things are messy and chaotic and real. And they had a a shop that became very famous um, called Sex. And they used to sell this stuff there. And their slogan was rubberware for the office. Everybody I was just about it. to say, I was just about to say, is it sex sells? Because that's like a big one. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think some of their stuff was a little bit S&M looky, you know, and it was literally rubber. But it was mm. just they were just trying to be controversial and anti-establishment, you know. Yeah. So as their popularity grew anyway and they got more attention, they eventually did an actual collection, which was shown in 1981. Um, and they did that for a couple of years together and then they broke up or so they broke up actually quite early on but they stayed together as sort of fashion design partners and then punk you know had become quite mainstream and the sex pistols broke up and i think vivian got kind of disenchanted and um the shop was changed to world's end and it's actually still there today she still runs it today but anyway she kind of went off and started designing on her own then and she started looking at which you might remember the tatler girls so this was like the kind of uh, busts, you know, like the corsets, all that mm. kind of stuff, like shiny corsets and things like that. And then she went on to use things like Tartan and Harris Tweed. And she used to pick things out of history, like, you know, the bustles that would come out of the back of a dress. She used them in one of her collections. And um, you might remember she had a very famous, uh, there was a very famous incident. One of her uh, shows where Naomi Campbell was wearing a pair of 10 inch heels and she went flying on the catwalk do you remember oh, that oh yeah i remember that i didn't know it was vivian westwood now that show but it yeah, was yeah all <laughs> those cool shoes but anyway in 1992 she was awarded an obe uh, and funnily enough somebody was taking a picture of her afterwards and she kind of spun around and her dress went up and it turned out she had no knickers on such a rebel <laughs> Um, and then in 2006, that was uh, upgraded to, to a DME, which means she's actually a, a dame now, despite dame. The, uh, ah. the the knicker incident. But anyway, in 1993, <laughs> she met her now husband, who was a, mm. a student um, of hers. 25 year age difference, but they've been happily married since. God bless her. Nice. Um, Go on, girl. <laughs> and yeah, he's very talented as well, actually. They're quite a partnership. Um, you might remember her as well for um, Sex and the City. She was costume designer in Sex and the City movie. And mm. she designed that unreal, unreal bridal gown um, that get, was gifted to Carrie Bradshaw. She kind of played herself in the film, if you remember, and gave yeah. Carrie the, the gown that she wore. So, yeah. And then in one of her more recent collections, she created clothes that are for both men and women. She's kind of addresses that sort of um, gender neutral clothing. Kind of. mm. Yeah. Cool stuff. And uh, she's just, she's just total rebel. And on her um, 80th year, she's still kind of going strong with the fashion design. But also she can, like at the moment, she considers herself primarily an activist. So she fights for civil liberties, nuclear disarmament and climate change. change. Particularly, she uses her designs to incorporate graphic messages on these themes and she does a lot of protesting and drawing attention to these issues. So, for example, in 2012, she was asked to do something for the Paralympics closing ceremony. And she didn't bother going to the dress rehearsals. And then she turned up to the main event and had this big, huge cloak that nobody bothered to to have a look at. And right when the cameras were on her, she opens this cloak, spreads her wings, and she's got this big climate revolution message on her cloak, which she wasn't supposed to have, of course, like, so total rebel. I mean, she's in her 70s at that stage. 
But um, she has set up this climate revolution organization to help tackle climate change. And she's very well developed in her reasoning and her research into all of this. And she has an actual plan in terms of how Mm. we tackle climate change. You know, she's quite a serious individual in that sense. And she's pumped loads of her own money into this. Um, And she also supports the Green Party because she kind of feels like people like Extinction Rebellion and Greta Thunberg are great. But, you know, you have to kind of engage with the politicians as well to make a difference so yeah and she talks about you know how capitalism is basically killing the earth you know and we have to um address that and she calls it rot dollar so if you hear her talking about it she talks about rot dollar does this rot dollar does that you know she's such a cool artist she's very thought-provoking you know she really believes individuals can make a difference mm. um but that things are kind of getting dire on the climate change front and we need to to act now so even this week as she turned 80 she recorded a message around climate change as a kind of a performance piece based on a piece from My Fair Lady um, from her shop window in, um, it was recorded and they projected it onto the walls in Piccadilly Circus. This was like Wednesday night last week. So part of it says, oh, I have wow. a plan to save the world. Capitalism is a war economy and war is the biggest polluter. Therefore, stop war and change economy to fair distribution of wealth. At the same time, no man's land. And she said, let's be clear, you and I can't stop war just like that, but we can stop arms production and that would halt climate change and the financial crash. Long term, this will stop war. She's a cool dude. She's very, you know, um, she's very thought provoking. And I suppose that's what artists do, isn't it? They're supposed to challenge us and inspire Mm. us. And she certainly does that. And I hope she's going to be around for a few more decades. But if you want to read more about her, she's got a website or you can go to her climaterevolution.com. So Fair play, Vivian Westwood, a total, a total fox. And she's even got the red hair of a fox. So there you go. I love that about her. Like, obviously, you're saying all this amazing stuff, but I just like love her look. She's amazing. And, you know, she's just so yeah. out there. And yeah, she dyes her hair mad colors. And yeah, I like that about her. But um, she's amazing. I didn't know any of that stuff. Very interesting. She's got that little gap in her front teeth as well. It's kind of mischievous looking like, yeah, she's <laughs> such a cool dude. I think a lot of people just associate her with the punk era and Malcolm McLaren yeah. and all that. But there's so much more to her. Like, she's just um, outstanding. And she comes from, like, working class background, you know. I was reading her autobiography the other night. And um, you you can see her becoming who she is in the autobiography. Mm. You know, she was, when she got married first, had that first child, she was like, she knew it wasn't what she was supposed to be doing. And she took decisions. And they were hard decisions, but she did it. And very cool. Very cool. So... All hail Vivian Westwood, the real queen of England. <laughs> okay, up now, number four. Four. So, uh, number four this week. So, uh, we normally talk about, uh, I suppose, my internet follows of the week. Now, again, that can be anything. So, <laughs> bear with us as we go on because um, it might be accounts we talk about or different websites or whatever it may be that we're enjoying. Um, but this week, I wanted to talk about uh, a lovely Cork woman. She's actually from Douglas, where I currently live. Uh, Laura DeBarra. So at Laura DeBarra on Instagram. Have you heard of her? I have. I follow her. But you know what? I haven't done an awful lot of looking into her accounts. But from what I can tell, she's a pretty cool dude. Mm. So people are probably like, oh, you know, what is she? And why are you recommending her? Why is she different? (laughs) Why is she different? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, so Laura is, uh, she actually has her own book. Uh, she has two books, well, a second book coming out. Um, so what Laura does is she's kind of coined the whole phrase she I Y. So she's basically 
doing all the jobs that maybe you wanted to do, didn't know how to do it. And mm. she's written about it and she shared it with all of us. Mm. So I've ordered her book. Gaff Goddess was the first book came out, I think about two years ago now, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And it's all about kind of things you can do around the house to kind of make your life easy, how to fix this, how to fix that, how to clean this, how to clean that. Brilliant stuff. Um, so fascinating. She's, do you know why I really like following her? She doesn't flog stuff. Like the mm. only thing she tra- talks about really is her own work. Mm. So she talked about her book. I think she has a new article um, that she does every couple of weeks for the Irish Times. She'll mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. And she just does it all with a, with a bit of class. She's a very classy lady. She dresses fabulous. She does everything like... She's always got that beautiful... air about her. She's always got that beautiful mm. bright red lipstick on, no matter what she's doing. Yeah, because she's she... always looking fabulous. Mm. Yeah, because she's often like in overalls or, you know, an old sweatshirt or whatever mm. to do whatever she's doing. But she always looks class. Always. She does. And she wears amazing clothes mm. and she just has this air of kind of stylish class about her. Um, So she's really great to follow, not just for all the kind of householdy bits, but just in general. She's kind of a powerhouse of a woman. So she... Uh, went to college in Cork she went to college at Calm and then she moved over to Edinburgh uh, and I think so she started working as a designer kind of working in a high street uh, supplier brand and she kind of I think got um, not a bit sick of it but I think she just had a bit of a realization that you know everything was kind of going to end up in a bin so Mm. she wanted to do something that kind of lasted that bit longer Mm. so she I don't know if that was before she moved to London or not, but since she moved to London or while she's been in London, I think she's been there for quite a few years now. She has started working um, as a property manager or in a property management company. But what she does is she actually kind of goes to properties and she um, zhuzhes them up. So I absolutely oh, love, I love the way it. she zhuzh. talks about this, how she zhuzhes up <laughs> these apartments and um, houses, but like makes the most ugly, boring looking apartment absolutely gorgeous and you know she's like she doesn't exactly like tag everything she uses or anything like that but she'll tell you a bit about them and that's not her job and that's she kind of makes that very clear look my job is to kind of make this look fabulous if okay. I can share things along the way I will staging do. and but stuff, that's kind yeah. of why I like her yeah mm. she yeah exactly she makes things look just absolutely gorgeous rental properties all that stuff mm-hmm. um and then like I said in the book then she kind of has like really handy little tips and tricks for you know cleaning things around your house for example like you know one thing she talked about which is one thing is such a bugbear for me especially in rented house is smells you know if you walk Mm. in somewhere there's like a smell or a strong smell Mm. that like to use um, bicarbonate soda basically Mm. on whatever you want to that'll get rid of the smell so whether it's your fridge or cupboard or under your Mm -hmm. sink or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. that within like 24 hours the smell will kind of be gone Um, and also she uses another thing which I've tried myself because it's one of those things that bother me you know in your shower they mm. get kind of cloudy from like all the build yes. up of water to just use lemon like half lemon and wipe it down and you can give it a give wow. it a wipe afterwards it's unreal it's like magic <laughs> it's funny <laughs> I because actually love it <laughs> you know things like vinegar and bicarbonate and mm. soda crystals and lemon they're all things that you can use to clean but still we insist on going and buying crap sprays from the supermarket or whatever so yeah a much more sustainable way i think of cleaning and stuff yeah. like that as well Definitely. And she just like such little tricks. Like she has this other thing like a couple of weeks ago, she was just showing how to like put a mirror on, you know, correctly so that it's not like 
like a like a, a circular mi- mirror so you have like your two nails on either side and it just like little things but like so yes. clever the way she does it mm-hmm. i just find it fascinating i love it and just the possibility things like it could be a really dingy not dingy but like dark looking apartment and she'll just see so much more in it and kind of mm. talk you through it and even if you're not like getting a new house or anything like that i just find it really entertaining i just love the way she like talks about things and how yeah. she presents herself she's just really one to watch i think as well and she's yeah. a new book coming out in october uh decor galore which Ooh. again i think is just so fabulous just, everything about yes. this woman is just uh, fab but um definitely she's giving me a lot of enjoyment i must say i really like her daily updates and all about kind of you know you can fix things it doesn't have to be the end of something just because it's not working mm. kind of how to fix it and like you know I think she does get a bit of hate from some men that are like you know how can you because she like has like a bag she takes to her work with her with like some tools and stuff in it and then she'll get stick like being like how could you carry that all the way to work or something like silly things you know and I think Mm. it's just uh, maybe a bit emasculizing for some men (laughs) when they see like a strong woman who can do all these things for herself when I say some men I mean a very Mm. few men who who would be threatened like that but I just think she handles it all so well the way she like even talks about that side of things and she's just fabulous she like drinks her green juice every day from this beautiful like champagne glass (laughs) she just gives me life (laughs) I just love the way she does things and presents herself but um yeah she's definitely one to follow and look she's a cork girl making her way in London and smashing it as well Mm. so why not give her a follow and start enjoying her content so definitely one to watch as well I think she's gonna go really far at Laura DeBarra. So that's L-A-U-R-A-D-E-B-A-R-R-A. Laura yep. DeBarra. And her yeah. book is Gas cool. Goddess. If anyone wants to have a look too. I've ordered it. I'm very excited. So we may have to come back to Great, that one. Great um, present for somebody, somebody moving into a new house yeah. or whatever. It'd be cool. Little gift, wouldn't it? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so that was Laura DeBarra. Thanks, Nicola. Next up, number five. Five. Okay. On the music section this week, we've got what is really a project as well as an album. I knew last last week I said I wasn't going to talk about any more albums. But this is just four tracks. And it's a project by a Toronto organization called Over the Bridge. And essentially what they've done is they've created four tracks using AI. And it's called The Lost Tapes of the 27 Club. So just to backtrack a little bit, what the 27 Club is is basically a group that people talk about in kind of journalistic circles and music circles, a group of people that died when they were 27. Mm-hmm. Um, so people like Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Richie Edwards, all of those. And this is a kind of a notional club that they were all in because a lot of them, if not all of them, would have had drug abuse, drink abuse, mental health problems. And essentially it, drove them to their death Mm. and what this organization is trying to do is to raise awareness about how people in the music industry are actually more likely to suffer from these things than the general population which I actually didn't know kind of makes sense though I suppose because a lot of them are artists and a lot of them are because they're moving in that kind of pressure those pressurized circles and maybe their music is doing well or it's not or maybe they're feel like they're not being interpreted correctly or whatever they're more vulnerable um so basically you can find this on spotify it's called the last tapes of the 27 club so they're encouraging more music and industry insiders to get the mental health support that they need so they can continue making the music that everybody loves for years to come because they admit even ai can't replace the real thing so they've quoted some stats on their website as well about um 
what it is they're motivated by. 71% of musicians believe they've experienced incidences of anxiety and panic attacks. 68% of them have experienced incidences of depression and they're twice as likely to take their own life or attempt to take their own life. So what they want to do is to just get away from this kind of romanticizing of the whole thing. Like, oh, these great people died when they're 27 and say, look, we want to hear more music from them. We Mm want to hear as much music as possible from really talented individuals. So... They've used AI to do that. So what they do is they analyse the artist's songs. So the four artists that they've covered in this are Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix. And they've gone away and analysed 20 or 30 of their songs each, translating the pitch and the rhythm into a digital code that's fed into a synthesizer. (laughs) Yeah, that recreates a song. And then after examining each of the artist's note choices, rhythmic quirks, preferences for harmony, the computer generates this new music. So then what they do is they get in real life performers to perform it. So a lot of the people you hear on this are actual um, professional impersonators Uh, and they sing the songs. And I'm not joking you. They are so like really? them. And wow. it so could be one of their songs. Oh, it's weird. It's cre- it's a little bit creepy. But also, you kind of know it's not them. Yeah. I suppose maybe it's just because you do know it's not them. You're like, it's not them, you know. But it's worth listening to. I think it's a very um, noteworthy project. Um, they've used this technology before Sony have to create a new Beatles song, which I haven't actually listened to, but I must um, dig it out. It's It's mad. It's mad what computers can do, you know, like... It's more of this, we're not going to need people anymore. The computers will do it. But um, yeah. look, it's fascinating and kind of cool. So hop on Spotify or wherever. Um, the last tapes of the 27 Club and uh, it's raising awareness. So it's all good. Other music news this week. There is an Irish artist called Orla Gartland. She's got a new single out called Zombie. She is great. Check her out. You'll find her on Twitter and Instagram and that. And her new track is out this week, Zombie. And there is a documentary on this weekend on BBC World Service called Disco Divas on Saturday at 12 noon. If you're into, you know, um, the female voices of 70s disco in, in America, people like Weather Girls, Donna Summer, Diana Ross, this sounds brilliant. Oh, so that's on for an hour on Saturday. So I'm going to be checking that out. And so concludes our five things Yay. for this week. So what have you got planned for the rest of the week, Nick? Anything strange or exciting? No, just that I need to... Oh, actually, on Saturday, uh, one of my very good friends, uh, we're having a baby shower for her, uh, a virtual one, <laughs> but nice. I might get to see her out in a park or something. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I must stop ordering things online because my doorbell oh, has actually rang about four times today, so I need to stop doing that. But uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, at least it's I've something got to look forward to. I've got a bit of online shopping to do as well. Actually, I was on a few sites this week and... Um, I was just struck by how crap some sites are and how great some other sites are. I wonder if it actually, it must impact people's buying because like, for example, there, there was one day I had a couple of things in a basket on M&S, which by the way, my purchases on M&S have gone through the roof since Christmas. I feel like I've hit that age where I now buy stuff there. <laughs> but anyway, it's mostly for the kids to be fair, yeah, but um, geez, I feel old when I'm on there. But anyway it's you get to the basket and then it's like oh you have to log in or whatever and then if you don't have your password whatever oh it's just a nightmare and they don't keep the stuff in your basket and then you get kicked out and then it's like oh geez oh whereas somebody like zara you go in and it keeps you can hit favorites it keeps them all you know when you're browsing there's about five 
six, seven, eight different pictures of the garment you're looking at, mm. potentially on two different models. I think Zara have cracked it when it comes but to... The only thing about Zara, they always have these mad poses. They'll have like a model sitting yeah. on top of a hob or something. And it's like, oh, wow, I really want that dress. This girl sitting on a hob looks fabulous. You know? There is a bit of that, That's but I still what, feel like it's, it's better mad. than flat on the ground, which is what you get on H&M. Yeah, you know, I think Zara need to find a happy medium though. So yeah. me, me and my friends are afraid uh, yeah. of that about Zara and some some yeah. of the pictures they take to like show up it's true. a dress yeah. or whatever or she's in the ocean wearing a dress it's like yeah. oh wow you know <laughs> that's what my dress like that's what my dress like would look ringing wet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know it's just kind of frustrating because it's the change in the season isn't it and all of a sudden like when I was sending the kids out to nursery last week I was like jeez they've nothing light it's like they've got winter clothes and then they've got summery summer clothes and you know just stuff that's not woolly and not fleecy and all that for kind of springtime it's a little bit lighter and yeah and then you realize that like they need new socks and they need new shoes and all that so I'm hoping actually to get an appointment for the girls to get fitted for shoes now that the shoe shops are allowed yeah to thank god at least they can do that god. oh gosh I'm and as well like oh, I know we're all probably begrudging them but you know it's nice for the Brits to be out and about and doing their shopping and going to the pub although I'm sick looking at their pictures I have to I say I'm I like if I see somebody I else drinking like a pint <laughs> I can't even talk about I it. I, <laughs> I don't know, want to talk about it. So I'm, I'm um, happy for them. It's just a no. I'm happy for them too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And any and and we have a few listeners over there. So well done, guys. Keep it up, and I hope it all keeps going well, and that there isn't any yeah, backtracking. With I feel like they're God, setting so. the standard now for hopefully us in a few months' time as well. So because they're going to have yeah. a bit of herd immunity and all that with the vaccines and one more really important thing actually that's happened happened I got too carried away there I got so excited but so um, excited. <laughs> our mom and dad are getting their first vaccine Yay. yeah this is I'm brilliant really, god really it's such a relief to hear they got the appointment so yeah we will be celebrating from um, afar yeah. tomorrow because mommy and daddy Murphy will have their first vaccine please God, there isn't any more announcements in the next 24 hours <laughs> that will know, take God. it away. Jeez, oh. Yeah. But um, no, it's cool. So that's really positive. So yeah, we will be looking forward to joining everybody next week. Everything in terms of the podcast is available um, across the various podcast platforms. So please, please, if you enjoy the podcast, do share it with friends and family. Um, what's really brilliant is if you can leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts if you've got an iPhone that would be really cool because it helps um, show our podcast to other people and we are across all social media on at FoxForce5Pod what else do we have to say Nicola? there was some other thing we were supposed to say Every Wednesday, we hope to have the podcast out, so you you can uh, set your alarms for Wednesday for your enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, a friend your of mine, podcast. a friend of mine said Pleasure. Wednesday for the podcast and Grey's Anatomy. You couldn't ask for much more, could you? Really? Thanks for thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, take care. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.